Welcome to Liberté, Galité, Fraternité and all that, a podcast about current affairs, foreign policy, politics and governments behaving badly. century as historians rank presidents they can often disagree who to rank number one should it be George Washington the man who established our Constitution Republic should be should it be Abe Lincoln the man who saved the Republic from secession and ended slavery but generally there has been consensus on who occupies the bottom spot James Buchanan the president before Lincoln weak feckless, indecisive, and a sympathizer of slavery in the South, the man who oversaw the Dred Scott decision and then fiddled as the country dug itself into civil war, has almost unanimously been considered the worst president in American history. Well, rest in peace, James Buchanan, because you now have competition. A four-year-long national nightmare is almost over. In less than an hour, Joseph Robinette Biden will take the oath of office as the 46th President of the United States. Donald J. Trump, a sore, petulant loser to the end, will not be around for the first time since 1868, after the impeached Andrew Johnson refused to attend the inauguration of Ulysses Grant, the now twice impeached Donald Trump will not be present at the inauguration of his successor. This is only the fourth time in American history this has happened. The petulant Trump wanted a military-style send-off, which the Pentagon turned down, so he tried to host a party at Andrews Air Force Base before he can tuck his tail between his legs and flee to exile to Mar-a-Lago in Florida. When Donald Trump assumed office four years ago in one, in one of the most racist inauguration speeches in, in modern history, he talked about an American carnage that was going on in our streets. And the target he blamed, being Donald Trump, was immigrants, particularly illegal, illegal immigrants. Well. Donald Trump leaves office having witnessed and overseen through his incompetence, neglect, and denialism a carnage of over 400,000 American citizens from the COVID-19 pandemic. It didn't have to be like this. Now, there would have been a death toll. The death toll would have been high. But Donald Trump, more obsessed with conspiracy theories, convinced the Democrats were out to destroy his beautiful economy, you know, the one he inherited from Barack Obama, fiddled, and well, we saw why every business he ever ran runs into bankruptcy, because the federal government has largely been MIA in this crisis. The states pretty much have had to do things on their own, so you've had 50 states going in 50 different directions, and then when you have sociopaths like Christy Noem in South Dakota or uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, you basically have states competing with Donald Trump for sociopathic 
incompetent behavior. Donald Trump leaves America much weaker, more divided than he found it. Not all the blame should go to him. The right-wing media ecosystem has grown progressively toxic and detached from reality over the past decade. And Fox News and its acolytes, and Newsmax and OAN are even worse, play a big part of the blame in what happened. But Donald Trump was the midwife of this. Unconcerned with institutions, unconcerned with policy, he presided over one of the worst periods in American history. Now, his supporters will point to the booming economy, which he inherited from Barack Obama, which somehow they pretend that was a disaster before he showed up. But even then, his term, in, at a time of plenty, he oversaw huge deficits because he and his Republicans cannot resist a good tax cut for the rich, uh, which helped blow up the deficit. And as the economy boomed, it reduced the amount the government would have taken in from that boom. In foreign policy, his inconsistent, lazy, and detached from reality foreign policy has alienated American allies. He tore up a perfectly functioning nuclear arms treaty with Iran, which even his own administration said Iran was complying with. And in response, what have we got? We almost went to war with Iran a year ago. The Iranians have no particular reason to now comply. They were already complying with the treaty, so why should they trust the United States? He gave North Korean tyrant Kim Jong-un a photo op which most American presidents were smart enough not to give him. And as usual, because he had unrealistic expectations of what North Korea was going to do, those negotiations have basically stalled. There's pretty much no foreign policy success to talk of, except the last year, obsessed with getting a Nobel Peace Prize because of a Nobel Peace Prize Barack Obama received. And Obama himself will tell you he probably shouldn't have got that Nobel Prize, but he shouldn't have got the Nobel Prize. He got it just because his name was not George W. Bush. Obsessed with that, he's been trying short-circuit treaties to, with Israel and neighboring Arab states. Now, these are progressive things, but you know, these are not bad things, but it's not as if the United Arab Emirates was an existential threat to the state of Israel. They've already been cooperating for more than most of the past decade, and this formalizes it. Likewise with Morocco, which way back in 1986, when the former king, uh, Hassan II, had started making overtures, Morocco has not exactly been the most virulent anti-Israel critic. So yes, these are positives, but these are not the earth-shaking, groundbreaking successes that Trump likes to pretend, because ultimately he has made the Palestinian situation worse. Israeli settlements continue to grow, a two-state solution is increasingly unlikely because the Netanyahu government has basically stifled a Palestinian state in the cradle. And that problem has not been resolved because Trump had no intention of ever playing honest broker. So his uh, this, the nonsensical peace plan his son-in-law came up with was dead on arrival. Now, the Palestinians are kind of screwed because everybody's tired of them and uh, the Saudis are more under their own little sociopath are more concerned with Iran. So they have largely been abandoned. But in some ways, this, ain't, this is not good for Israel either because you, Israel hates the South Africa comparisons, but increasingly it becomes harder and harder to overlook as you have large masses of Palestinians who do not have full citizenship rights, who will not have a state, the viable state, 
And eventually, you're going to have a situation where Israel, which Barack Obama warned them about, you're going to be either a Jewish state or a democracy. And on the current path, they will not be both. Um, with so many disenfranchised Palestinians essentially living under Israeli occupation. Uh, this is not a sustainable solution. And while obviously you do not s support terrorist attacks against Israel, you cannot just look away and allow them to do whatever they want against Palestinians, which Donald Trump is perfectly fine with. So his Middle East legacy is not as rosy as he would like to, uh, like to admit. And in trying to get people to recognize Israel, he caused all sorts of trouble uh, trying to get the Serbians and Kosovars. Uh, it was lazy slapdash diplomacy uh, with lots of carrots to sort of force them into these recognitions and have, but then causing domestic trouble back home because of the way they intervened in the politics of those states to get that recognition. It comes to trade wars. He actually lost the trade war against China because a smarter president would have got the Europeans on his side because the Europeans are not happy with China either. But Donald Trump picked trade fights with everybody. And so he went into the trade war with China alone, again, with no coherent policy. And uh, and then, guess what? In the end, he basically abandoned it for negligible uh, window dressing. After basically greenlighting China's genocide against the Uyghurs, his exorable Secretary of State on the way out recalls it a genocide. Again, there's no consistency or, uh, or rhythm to this politics. It's all seat of your pants. And the lack of consistency has been frustrating for American allies because they don't know what to expect from this president. Donald Trump was more prone to attack his allies and then gush over every dictator out there because in his, like every weak man, he considers that to be strength. So the legacy of, if we thought American prestige abroad was low after the disastrous two terms of George W. Bush, it is probably at his nadir. Uh, I can't even, at the lowest point at any time since maybe right after World War I then, when the U.S. sort of withdrew into isolation. But even then, America was not as despised or ridiculed as it has been today under Donald Trump. But don't tell that to his cult. And then finally, his presidency ended on a sad, pathetic note. Incumbent presidents have a unique political advantage in this country. It is very hard for them to lose. And in the last century, every president who has lost has lost when there has been a recession going on. And Donald Trump is no exception. And again, this didn't have to be. Other countries where which have faced COVID-based recessions, their governments are popular because people know it's not entirely their fault. But their governments have actively tried to combat the crisis, except our resident nincompoop was obsessed with conspiracy theories, and he fiddled. And you see it in the last month as COVID made a comeback. He was, Donald Trump was busy golfing. And having lost the election, he, being a sore loser, he could not accept that he lost. So he kept perpetuating conspiracy theories and lies, along with his media helpers like Maria Bartiromo and clowns like Rudy Giuliani. And the end result on January 6th was his half-assed coup attempt, where he, he riled up a mob to go and attack Congress, and also attack his own vice president. We are very, very lucky that only five people seem to have died in this insurrection. Donald Trump, as usual, does not seem to have grasped 
the, what he was doing or he was enjoying what was going on and having no understanding or love for institutions, believing in fealty to dear Führer, refused to even initially allow the National Guard to go and help stop, uh, to help stop this. And of course, you now have this odd situation where the idiots who stormed the Capitol thinking it's 1776 are now begging Donald Trump to for pardons and, well, they're not going to get it. And they are naturally saying they were only obeying the instructions of their president. Well, his little coup attempt got him impeached a second time in the House. He's unlikely to get convicted in the Senate because the Republican Party is terrified of its base, and the base has frankly gone nuts. And most of the base actually approves of his little coup. Remember, I had an episode a little while back about how the GOP has turned its back on democracy, and this is another example of it. As far as the GOP is concerned, they they cannot lose an election. It's always stolen from them. And the incompetence of Donald Trump, his refusal to accept his election laws, also helped probably cost, cost them the Senate by the two runoff elections in Georgia. So at the end of all this, you have a president for the first time in history who launched a coup, a party that's too scared to stand up to him. And of course, if he's impeached after he leaves office, he can be barred from running again. This is something they should seize as much as they can, but it's very unlikely you're going to get the 17 Republicans to line up. Uh, it will be a historical repudiation because you'll get more than just Mitt Romney, likely. But it's very unlikely you're going to have 17 senators find the courage and love of institutions to impeach this clown. And yesterday, Donald Trump's sad, pathetic presidency came to its predictable close where he gave over 100 pardons and commutations, most of them to corrupt, grifting crooks like himself. And the pardon of Steve Bannon epitomizes the contempt Donald Trump and the GOP have for their base, because Steve Bannon was indicted for trying to defraud Trump's MAGA base in building this so-called private wall along the Mexican border. So this is a guy who is actually defrauding your own voters and your own supporters. And this is the guy who gets a pardon. Of course, the downside for a pardon is if the MAGA idiots are aware of this, is Steve Bannon, by accepting it, opens himself up to civil liability. But again, Donald Trump really doesn't care about his base. He's never cared about anybody except himself and maybe Ivanka. And so his sad presidency, his disaster of a presidency, finally draws to a close. He's already left the White House because the petulant child wanted to fly in Air Force One one last time. And as we speak, he's probably landed in Florida and so that he can have the last trappings of the presidency. After all, this is a man who wanted to wanted the trappings of the presidency and look like a presidency, president on TV, but had zero interest in actually doing the job. So with that, a long national nightmare of a Trump presidency finally draws to its pathetic close. In less than an hour, Joe Biden will become the new president of the United States. Kamala Harris will become the first woman vice president of the United States, the first one of African-American and, and Indian descent, the second vice president of non-European ancestry. The first one is Charles Curtis, uh, who was vice president under Herbert Hoover, who was about three-eighths Native American. So it's a historic event. It's a hopeful event because, thankfully, 
Certain elements of the GOP have realized we need this institutional transfer of power. So Mike Pence, even though has been a supine lapdog for Donald Trump, will be at as the inauguration. Mitch McConnell and McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, instead of joining Donald Trump's cheerleading party, attended church with Joe Biden this morning. Even the execrable Ted Cruz is actually supposed to show his unwanted face at inauguration. And with that, we finally get adults in charge. We finally get people who know what they're doing, running the departments instead of a bunch of grifting clowns. With that, we finally have a chance that the vaccine rollout, which has been pretty much disastrous, will now improve. And we, even though at some level COVID is outside the control of government, we finally will have a coherent national response to this pandemic. James Buchanan must be very happy because the disaster, 400,000 dead, a huge economic deficit, the first president since Herbert Hoover to have a net job loss in his presidency. Most of this did not have to happen, or at least on the scale, because we had an incompetent income poop in the White House who had no business being there, and a bunch of Republicans who sold their soul to the devil to get a bunch of judges appointed on the court. We faced some of the worst four years in American history. And now the unenviable task for Joe Biden is to try to fix the American carnage Donald Trump inflicted on our country. Goodbye, Donald Riddance. God, sorry, goodbye, Donald Trump. Good riddance. And may your future life just be tormented by the lawsuits and the civil lawsuits that were put on hold due to presidential immunity that are about to fall on you. Good luck to Joe Biden, the new president of the United States, and our long national nightmare is finally over. Thank you.